Hi, I'm Alison Sandy. Hi, I'm Brian Seymour. And welcome to the seventh edition of Conversations. Sally uh, is taking a much-deserved break today, so we, uh, we are wishing her well and we will hopefully be joined again next week when she's feeling better. But we are joined by Editor-in-Chief of the Le Courrier Australien, Francois Vetame. Did I pronounce that right, Francois? Yeah, that's perfect. François Ventum. <laughs> Not quite perfect, but it sounds a lot better when you say it. So thank you Bonjour. for joining us. Bonjour, François. Bonjour. Bonjour, les amis. We're going to completely ruin your language here. But uh, now, thank you so much for coming on board with us. Um, so I just wanted to, we wanted to get you on here, obviously, because we've been talking a lot about your publication lately. And um, this this is something that you've been doing for three years. Can you tell me about the Le Courrier Australien being the oldest foreign newspaper, I understand, um, foreign speaking yes. newspaper in Australia? So I'm not very surprised that uh, your investigation brings you to, to Le Courrier Australien because Le Courrier Australien has a huge history in, in Australia. Uh, it was launched in 1892 and, as you said, it's the, the longest-running foreign-language newspaper in Australia. So it's a massive newspaper, uh, 27 years old. And it was very fundamental uh, in integrating the French-speaking community in Australia and exposing uh, Australians to the best of French culture, lifestyle, philosophy, etc. So that, that, that's very important here. And uh, the story of the newspaper is also amazing because uh, uh, thanks to uh, some articles in the newspaper, they created the, the French of French Chamber of Commerce. Uh, the, the consulate and embassy of France used uh, the Courrier Australien as the official organ of the press. Uh, so, you know, uh, during the World War II, uh, the newspaper uh, was the only one to say, okay, we are against uh, Pétain, and now we are the, the, the official uh, newspaper of the resistance in the Pacific. So we were read all over the Pacific, and we were the, we transmit a message from uh, Charles de Gaulle uh, to the French or French community. And so today, as you said, uh, we relaunched the newspaper three years ago, only in digital version, and uh, we we have now a lot of success because we are still the support of the embassy of the institution because this newspaper is really a patrimonium of the the French culture. Uh, in Australia. That's terrific. Well, Brian, can you um, give us a bit of a background at how we were led to Le Courier Australia? Yes, I will. And, and I'd urge everyone to check out the, the website. It's it's a great uh, newspaper and, of course, uh, very topical for Australians at the moment with the Women's World Cup and uh, Ashley Barty's breakthrough win in the uh, French Open. But our, our interest in Le Courier Australia um, goes back to 1994. And since we launched this podcast... One of our listeners tracked down actually through the National Library, which keeps um, digitised archives of all publications in Australia, tracked down a personnel, personal advertisement placed in Le Courier Australian in December 1994 by Monsieur F. Remekel, a 47-year-old man, tall, brown hair, single, cultured, sophisticated, looking for a woman for a relationship with a view to possible marriage. Now, that obviously jumped out at us because the name Remekel is extremely rare. And of course, in 1994, before Google, it's one, it's a name you simply wouldn't have come across. It might be the only mention anywhere ever in Australia of this name uh, before our podcast. And of course, it's the name that Marion Barter chose to change her identity to a month before she disappeared in 1997. She changed her name to Florabella Natalia Marion Remekel. So, 
it leapt out at us. Now, we've been trying to get hold of um, the editor at uh, you, Francois, for a number of uh, months, but we haven't had much luck. Finally, we got hold of you this week, and uh, it's just a pleasure to meet and talk with you. Can you tell us um, that the previous owner, are they still alive, and, and did they keep paper records of who might have placed ads with the old print version of the newspaper? Yeah, so uh, as you said, all the archives are in the National Library, but we still have the original archives in my mm-hmm. uh, So I have a few copies of the edition of the 10 of oh. December 94. So if you want to receive one and if it could help you, you can have it as a, as the original one as well. I'm going to come down straight after this. I'm just up the road at Martin Place. I'm going to come down straight after this and grab a copy. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Uh, because it's also interesting, uh, in this copy, I don't know if you have all the, the pages, but we can see who was uh, at the direction of this newspaper. And so it was Jean-Pierre Sourdain, and uh, you can see also people walking them and some names, so it could help. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the, the, the story, I bought the, the brand with my business partner, uh, Bernard Le Boursico, three years ago. We launched it with the support of the embassy at all the institutions. Um, so we, we bought it uh, to the widow of the former uh, owner of the newspaper. And the widow is still alive. Right. So the, the, former, the former owner has passed away. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, yeah. in 2012. And it's why the newspaper uh, stopped between 2012 and 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we still have the details of, of uh, this lady, and uh, we will try to... to to contact her to see if we can do something and uh, I think that the owner was before uh, husband the director but you can see that the name of the husband is still on the newspaper uh, in the page setting so probably they still have a connection together and maybe if we are lucky they will have some records of this uh, classified site. <coughs> So what was Fantastic. The, do you know what the um back in the 90s and I, I realized you know with the last 3 years and it's online now but back in the 90s do you know what the distribution was or was it just in Sydney No uh, the distribution was in Sydney mainly but all over all around Australia and you could also subscribe for uh, overseas so if you are in the Pacific or even in Europe so uh, this, this, this is this was the history of newspaper, and this is what we try to do again this year. Uh, we have 30% of our readers coming overseas from France, Belgium, Switzerland, Canada, etc. So this, the, 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 the objective of this newspaper was also to inform people abroad what's happening in Australia, if they want to come here as a tourist or if they want to come here uh, to, to do a business or if they have a relative here in Australia. So was it subscription only back then, or what, what's the... Uh... No, so uh, there was a subscription. Uh, you could have paid for yearly subscription. It was quite, quite cheap. Uh, and there was also <laughs> a distribution uh, through different uh, libraries here in Australia. So some big library in Australia, they had it every week or every month in, in the, the shop, and you could buy it. So it was quite big, uh, popular. The distribution was not as big as we can expect. I think, but I'm not sure, it was around between two and 5,000 copies. And how unusual is that ad, Francois? Because it struck me as an unusual thing to place in a personal advertisement, basically looking for a wife. Um, how unusual was that type of advertisement in the, in the print edition? That, that was quite common. Uh, because, oh. you know, uh, it was a newspaper, and, and uh, we've seen through the history that uh, at the beginning of the centuries, uh, in the 90s, uh, there were some messages. Okay, a boat is coming from uh, Marseille, 
and uh, on board you have this family. And so you, the, this was the only way to record what's happening here, if they are there or not. There was some messages, okay, I'm the family of this uh, lady. I would like to know if she will arrive, if she's well arrived in, in, in Australia or not. So there was always this kind of connection. And the newspaper is, is uh, trying to create, bring a uh, bridge and create this connection with all the people. So uh, we had a lot of, uh, of uh, classified ads like that. Uh, it, was, it was popular, and you see there is a lot of different uh, ads like that I've seen on the same page. You have a lady, 50 years old, blonde, saying, uh, I'm also looking for a partner, etc., etc. So that was very common. There you go. Well, it's very interesting um, how you got into it as well, because you're actually technically not French. Is that correct? Are you Belgian? Yeah, Belgian French speaker. I'm just I'm, I'm born just two kilometers uh, from the fr- the French uh, uh, border, so I'm almost French. Yeah. <laughs> I think the best of the two. Well, and a bit of Australian because you've also married an Australian. Yeah, I uh, I was lucky to meet uh, my wife, an Australian lady, in Brussels uh, twelve years ago. So, and uh, of course, uh, that's very where you're from is very near Luxembourg. We've just returned from Luxembourg uh, in the latest episode, episode 11 of The Lady Vanishes. You can hear about our trip there and uh, how we tracked down a person we were looking for with the name Remikel. But um, um, what I'm really looking forward to is, is seeing if uh, the widow of the former owner has kept records of who might have placed that advertisement. So um, we'll wait with bated breath and we'll let all our listeners know as, as soon as you uh, find out, Francois. Yeah, yeah, and she's living in Sydney, so it's, uh, it's quite quite close. Uh, I think it's in Castle Hill. So uh, we will give you all the details, and I, and, I, and I hope that she can help. Even if she doesn't have a record, she could help to say, "Okay, I know the people who had it, or whatever." Hopefully. Yeah, and, and you've you've listened to um, this story. You, you know what it's about. How unusual is this case? The disappearance of Marion Barter. What what do you make of it? That, that's an, an, an amusing story. Uh, I. I just heard about it for a few weeks ago because I received some message from friends saying, oh, Francois, we are speaking about uh, Le Courrier Australien in the Australian broadcast. And so uh, I take a note of this story and I think it's, it's very emotional. I, I, I would like to know what's really happening uh, with uh, uh, this man that you met in Luxembourg because we don't know really if he knew something, if he doesn't know anything. Uh, that was very interesting and I hope that we will have a, a lucky hand in this story. Thank you very much. And we're, we're, we're checking a number of things um, upon the, our return from Luxembourg and hopefully we'll be able to bring you some, some of those answers. So stay with us, um, Francois, because we're going to go through some of the other um, aspects. Every week we will update or we do update our listeners through conversations on where we're at. And, um, you know, we obviously episode 11, which is just uh, been published on Monday, had a very strong response from our audience, Brian. Yeah, extraordinary. And uh, I think we're up over 2 million listens now. Uh, I think about half of our listeners are in the United States and and Europe. Um, So it really has crossed all borders and um, has piqued the interest of all age groups uh, because it is such a unique case. Um, There's there's been uh, an upsurge in, um, for want of a better term, trolls on social media, people who, for whatever reason, like to get online and get nasty. But um, we're more than ha- we're big enough and ugly enough to, to handle that. It, it's not fair on Sally, though. I've got to say she's <clears throat> she's had to deal with this for 22 years, basically half her life. And you, if you can imagine just that the heartbreak and the the um, 
the difficulty in living with not knowing what happened to your mum, for her to disappear in such baffling and disturbing circumstances and to feel that you're not being listened to and that you're not getting the help that you deserve. If it were my mum, if it were your mum, anyone listening, if it were your parent, you know, ask yourself how far would you go to find out what happened to your mum? Um, Sally's um, been living with this and she really has put herself out there and unfortunately that means she's vulnerable to the idiots uh, who feel it's their job to, to tear other people down. And you so, can tell um, the difference, can't you, Brian? There's some people that, you know, and, and criticism is fine. If, if people want to, you know, just say, look, I don't agree with that or whatever, there's a respectful way to do it. But it's those people that just keep going and going and yeah, going so and in going. The, in, like, in, you know. in the words of Ellen DeGeneres, um, be nice to each other. That, that's all. Um, we're we're, we're not getting Jerry anything Springer? out of this. I'm pretty sure it was Jerry Springer, right? No, no, it's Ellen oh, DeGeneres okay. at the end of every show. <laughs> yep, be nice to each other. Um, and it's... Um, we're not getting anything out of this. We've all got day jobs. We're doing this because we want to help Sally um, and because it's an, it's an astonishing story and because we think we can. We already have found a number of answers and we've ruled some things out. We've come a long way in the nine months we've been looking into this and we think we're going to find out what happened to Marion. We think we're getting closer and closer to finding out. So um, please be nice to each other, be respectful and, um, and uh, hopefully Sally um, will gather herself and bounce back uh, next week because uh, she certainly shouldn't have to put up with any of the nastiness that we've seen. No, and, and, and to, to other people, you, you've got to remember, it's a story to you. To Sally, it's her life. So um, as, as Brian just said, you've got to be respectful of that. I mean, this is she's put it all out there, um, taking a big gamble on, you know, finding her mum through this this avenue and it won't happen overnight it, it won't it's, it's been less than three months so you know for us to have all the answers in th- in less than three months is impossible but I can tell you now there is some stuff happening and some information coming forward that um, you know even developments in the New South Wales Civil and Administrative Tribunal um, and our coronial inquest application that is is going to go a long way into this we can't talk about it a lot because it's still before the hearing and hasn't been um, the documents haven't been lodged in NCAT, but um, yeah, there's a lot coming. So stay with us. Plus, we have the petition um, at change.org. Um, so please go and sign that. We've got more than half our target already. I think we've got close to six thousand, haven't we, Brian? Yeah, and uh, we're hoping for ten thousand signatures, and that's to get. Marion Barter put back on the missing persons register. Uh, Our listeners will recall that uh, Marion was taken off the register uh, a decade ago, basically almost a decade ago, because the police investigating this case, the New South Wales Police, uh, have made the determination, they're resting on the assumption that Marion chose to disappear and is not and has not been in any danger. Now, this, as we've shown, is a remarkable assumption and frankly doesn't match with the evidence we've uncovered. So, uh, at the very least, having her back on the missing persons register triggers a whole new protocol. The thing that's that's uh, confusing the issue is the report, uh, I think three weeks ago, that the New South Wales Missing Police Unit has been suspended because of the lack of action on a number of long-term missing cases. I think a report in the News Limited papers talked about boxes of bones uh, laying around that hadn't been tested against deceased people. Um, and they are, they've issued a statement since the police saying that they are conducting a root and branch review to work out exactly what form the new Missing Persons Bureau will take. So um, we're sort of hamstrung a little bit by the bureaucracy in the New South Wales Police around 
um, what they can and can't do at the moment. We're hoping that will be resolved soon and they can help us because I know there are good police officers like Detective uh, Gary Sheehan who's been on the case for a decade, who I think genuinely does want to help and does want to help us get answers. Um, but as he said, he's, um, he's hampered by legislative and, uh, and um, um, supervisory um, restrictions on him. So um, he's hoping that uh, we, we break through that bureaucratic wall and uh, that we once again get the help that uh, the police can and do provide uh, people like Sally. And I just want to just touch on that as well. I mean, that's something, again, that I can't talk about with the the tribunal, but um, I did get a little bit of a hint of something that Gary hasn't been able to tell us that uh, may be forthcoming when we're able to um, discuss it after um, either the hearing or an informal agreement, um, which we're hoping to make as well. So we'll see how we go. Um, But I'm going to move on to a question from Ollie, an ex-Victoria police officer, which I thought was um, a good one to ask. She says, Hi there. Has the investigating sergeant done an RMS check on the phone number listed in the advertisement from F. Ramakel? I'm not sure if it's called the same thing in New South Wales, but in Victoria, it's essentially a search on a phone number that should provide who owns it, the address of where it was listed to, dates that it was in order, etc. from memory. Was it a PO box that was listed as the address in the ad? Uh, because police should have done a search similarly to the phone number. So, um, of course, our, the answer is we don't know because New South Wales police won't tell us. Um, well, also, also because um, we discovered that ad. One of our listeners discovered that ad uh, trawling through the National Library of Australia. So police weren't aware of that. And as I say, such a unique name uh, doesn't exist anywhere in Australia that we can find, and yet the name Marion Joes pulled it out of thin air, pre-Google, pre-internet, and uh, that that is an irresistible lead. So it's on the list of things we're asking the police to check, but as it stands, they're saying, we appreciate the coverage that the 7 News podcast Lady Vantages and all the work you're doing to help Sally understand why her mother chose to go missing which is a very bold statement. Um, but we are happy with the investigation that has been done and we will leave this in the capable hands of the Tweed's head investigators who are the experts uh, and no further action will be taken. Now, that's that's obviously um, deeply frustrating for us and it's, I mean, it's, it's heartbreakingly frustrating for Sally because we've got a list of some very simple checks that the police, only the police can do and, and we've asked them to, to also reach out to their counterparts in the United Kingdom and Luxembourg to do some of these simple checks because those requests, those checks can only come from the New South Wales Police. And the answer is, no, we don't think we're going to bother. We're not going to do it. I, I, I frankly, I'm, I'm at a loss to understand the inactivity um, and I'm a huge fan of the police. They do a wonderful job. I, I, I hope whatever is... Pr- causing this inaction is something that can be resolved very soon to everyone's um, satisfaction because uh, there are a few simple things that can be done that could take us a long way towards finding the answer Sally is looking for. One thing I will say is I know that Gary Sheen is listening to the podcast. We, you know, he yep. has um, confirmed that. He's and, a good guy. Yeah. yeah, and I know also that he knows about the ad. So, um, yeah, I don't know... Um, 
whether any action has been taken as a result of it. But I have been calling that number, or we have been calling that number a lot, uh, and it hasn't had a result. But um, from what I can understand is that it's a Ballon number um, because I rang, like I've changed the digits slightly and, and I've got a Ballon business. So um, that seems to be what we know so far. Um, now, Francois, is, I mean, you've, are you a mystery fan? Is this um, something that um, would have piqued your interest anyway, do you think, other than the connection to Le Courier Australienne? Yeah, do, I, I was thinking of something, uh, mm. even if it's not official uh, help. Uh, do you think, because as I said before, we have more than 30% of our readers uh, from Belgium and France and, and Luxembourg as well. So maybe if we, if we speak about your, your investigation and what the case, we could open some doors. So I don't know, uh, that could be useful and maybe you can have some, some contacts and more information about, uh, about the story. Well, it'd be good to do an interview with Sally, so we'll we'll check with Sally if she's up for it, and and uh, maybe you could do an interview with her and, and write something for the Courier Australien. That would be wonderful. We would appreciate that. Thank you, Francois. That's very kind of you. Um, and hopefully, um, you know, obviously, people that didn't know our listeners who weren't aware of this publication um, can stay tuned by uh, getting a subscription with you. Is that how you do it? Subscriptions, or people just go online? No, no, it's just uh, just online. So uh, it, it's a bilingual newspaper. So there is one part with a French and another part in English. I will say in in English it's easier than Le Courrier Australien to write. It's lcanews.com, and then you will arrive on 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 the newspaper. Uh, it's free. So what we want to do, it was also an agreement that we had with uh, the embassy of France that uh, our, our mission is to 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 bring the connection between the two communities, and we don't want to to do a subscription. Uh, payments for for this information yet uh, so uh, it's totally free uh, there is no premium uh, subscribers etc but if you want to help us uh, we are uh, working on a huge and massive project it's the book uh, a book uh, revisiting the history the common history between france and australia to our archives and so you will have uh, 240 pages of a collector edition bilingual with all the pictures and the original articles. So that could be something amazing, and we are planning to to launch it in, in October. And that that's something that I think it's uh, really massive to to uh, showcase the the friendship between our two communities. Yeah, that sounds great. And uh, speaking of interviews, Alison. Um, the other media now are becoming more and more interested in The Lady Vanishes. Obviously, we've featured um, the podcast and the story on 7 News. And if people want to see what happened in Luxembourg, go to um, 7news.com.au forward slash The Lady Vanishes. And you can watch the 22-minute story showing uh, the trip we took. And just you can see just from watching that how taxing it was on, on Sally in particular. Mm. Uh, just an extraordinary uh, trip that we, we spent uh, in the UK and Luxembourg. And other media are um, becoming more and more interested, which is great because it widens our audience and it introduces us to more people who can join the army of listeners helping us to try and solve this mystery. And today, uh, just a moment ago, actually, I spoke to Chris Smith on Radio 2GB. Have a listen to this. There's no doubt that the public's fascination with true crime stories is as strong as ever. And when I say the public, I mean the world, particularly when it comes to podcasts. Now, we spent a lot of time last year following and speaking with those involved in the Teacher's Pet podcast by Hedley Thomas from The Australian, as many of my colleagues did as well. 
There's a new podcast that's making waves, and a lot of people are comparing the two. It's called The Lady Vanishes. And if you thought there was a lot of mystery and unanswered questions in the teacher's pet, wait till you hear this one. It looks into the disappearance of Gold Coast mother, Marion Barter, who hasn't been seen since 1997. She was an incredibly passionate and successful teacher. She was even named Best Teacher in Queensland shortly before her disappearance. She then quit her job suddenly. She sold her home and decided to head over to Europe for a year-long trip, a decision her two adult children supported. Marion was single, but had been married and divorced three times. It was her dream to travel to Europe, and she wanted to ride on the Orient Express. But shortly into her trip, she stopped making contact with her family. And not long after, her passport was reported as re-entering the country. Now, Marion's daughter Sally has never given up hope. She spent half her life trying to find out what happened to her mother, and in particular using social media weapons and techniques to do so. And now she's hoping that by going public in this podcast, she may finally get some answers, because I tell you what, there are some unanswered questions that police in particular need to respond to. The Lady Vanishes is a a podcast by Seven News, produced and written by Alison Sandry, and presented by Brian Seymour. Oh, the twists and turns associated with this investigation are probably too many to mention in an interview, but we'll we'll give it a shot. It's received more than 2 million downloads so far, by the way, The Lady Vanishes, which gives you an indication of how compelling it is. Seven News investigative journalist Brian Seymour joins me on the line right now. Brian, thank you for your time. Yeah, my pleasure, Chris. It truly is an incredible mystery. You were drawn to the story following your own 20-year journey looking for your father, is that right? Well, that's right. I was a ward of the state and uh, my father had a number of similarities with Marion Barter. For instance, I, when I found him by going on enough rope with Andrew Denton, so I, I found him eventually by going through a public campaign like Sally's trying to do with this podcast, but I discovered that he changed his name four times. Marion had four names. Her maiden name was Marion Wilson. My father's name was Roger Wilson. Yeah. And there were other spooky similarities. But, yes, that's one of the reasons I um, was asked to join the team um, with Alison Sandy and Sally Eels. As we've seen with the teacher's pet, going public with these mysteries can bring up some answers, which I guess is what Sally is hoping for. What does she think happened to Marion? Look, uh, Sally doesn't know. None of us know. We're hoping Marion's listening to this right now and that she reaches out. Sally fears that she may have met with foul play. She doesn't believe that she chose to disappear. The police have assumed that that she chose to do this because she changed her name by deed poll several weeks before taking that fateful journey in 1997. But the the extraordinary thing about that is the name she chose, how unique it is. And back in 1997, pre-Google, it's irresistible not to believe that she was directed to choose that name. It was Florabella Natalia Marion Remichel. Remichel, there's about 100 Remichels on the planet. And it's such a rare name and such a uh, particular name that uh, recently led us to Luxembourg to chase down one of the leads uncovered in, through this investigation. So have you got any idea as to why she would change her name before going on this journey? Well, there's a number of theories. As I said, the, the police have assumed for a long time that she chose to change her life and walk away and start a new life under a new identity, which right. some people, very few people do. Now, having said that, whilst they say they've assumed that, they've also 
went and searched a paddock because they got a tip on Crime Stoppers 10 years ago that she was murdered and buried in a paddock in Armidale. So we're not too sure how certain they are about that assumption, and there's no evidence to support that assumption. They have never cited her, and under their own protocols, you have to physically cite someone or have a death certificate or a coronial finding to assume that they are no longer missing. She seemed so to be in a real that... hurry, didn't she, Brian? She sold a house for less than it was worth. Then when she was overseas, she sent postcards and birthday presents and made regular calls, but yep. then it all stopped, stopped very abruptly. Yeah, it did. And, and you know, really, um, the behaviour was contradictory to someone who was willfully trying to disappear, as you say, making calls and, and visiting, uh, taking a tourist trip down, down a meandering road through Alfriston and Tonbridge Wells down to Brighton before simply vanishing. And then someone came back to Australia the day after she last spoke to her daughter on August 2nd, 1997, under this name, Flora Bella Ramakel, under that passport. That passport has never left the country since. That's what police tell us. Now, a number of things may have happened, Chris. Uh, she may have been acting under the uh, coercion of a third person or a group. And that's one of the leads we've investigated in the podcast. And it's one of the strongest leads we've uncovered. Our, our millions of listeners have joined our search and they've uncovered some um, unbelievable evidence, including an advertisement placed in a French-Australian newspaper in 1994 by a Mr. Remichel. Now, it's, it's, it's the prevailing theory that she may have uh, been acting with a, another person who was, in effect, controlling her, because when she did come back to Australia, she or someone using her identity drained almost $120,000 from her Commonwealth bank account by going in every day for three and a half weeks and taking out $5,000 a day. Why would, you, why, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just electronically transfer the whole lot? Well, wouldn't, well, you, wouldn't it be logical that if you only transport, transferred 5000 at a time, it wouldn't ring alarm bells and you could do that without being notified and alarms going off in the bank? Well, that, that, that's, that's one theory that's been put to us. And, and, yes, that's potentially the reason why, yep. And then it emerged that she changed her name to this Remakil, uh, and you followed that through as well. Uh, the passport re-entering the country. There's nothing police or customs can do to match what CCTV footage they might have at customs with the day in which she may have come back. Well, um, this is this all happened right on the cusp of the all-pervasive nature of social media, the internet, and CCTV. So it happened just before all of those things were commonly used. Right. So the bank where she made the withdrawals had CCTV, but they would only switch it on during a robbery. Right. So, you know, we've been constantly been confronting that type of, right. of wall. And the other thing, of course, and you mentioned this in your intro, is that um, we've been asking the police to follow up on very specific leads and to do some basic checks based on information, strong information we've uncovered. And since we began this podcast, New South Wales Police has suspended the Missing Persons Bureau. Um, it was reported in um, the news limited papers that uh, a number of long-term missing cases hadn't been, effectively had been left laying there with no work done. They are now, they've released a statement saying they're undertaking a root and branch review to work out what form the new Missing Persons Bureau will take. So we're, we're in a bit of a limbo at the moment. Oh, so she's not, is she on a missing persons register at all? She was taken off. Sally says the daughter, Sally says she wasn't informed when Marion was taken off. The investigator, Detective uh, Gary Sheehan, says he did tell her. And I'll, I'll just say Detective uh, Gary Sheehan has uh, very genuinely cared about this case and done everything he can. And he's at pains to, to let Sally and us know that he uh, he's bound by the legislative and operational requirements of his job. Um, he can't simply do whatever he likes. But um, he's as passionate as any of us to find out what happened to Marion. 
Um, it's just that uh, there's really slow and no movement from the police on this case at the moment, and, and that's got to change. Yeah, okay. So what's your gut feel? Do you think at the end of this series of podcasts and collecting all of this information from those who are listening, do you think you'll find out what happened to her? I think we will, Chris, and uh, I think we're getting very close to finding the answers that Tally's been looking for for 22 years. I'd like to tell you more, but I, I'm genuinely I'm, I'm waiting on checks. I've been speaking to someone today. I think we're close. Okay. So keep listening, and right. hopefully we can bring you and all the millions of people listening the answers. All right. Fascinating stuff. As I said, more twists and turns than we've uh, seen in any of the other true crime podcasts. Uh, job well done to you and the team, and we'll catch up and keep people up to date on it. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, mate. Just quickly, there's a petition to get Marion back on the missing persons register on change.org. If people want to go into change.org, uh, search for Marion Barter and sign the petition. Fantastic. That's a great idea. That's the first step. Then you put people, uh, police in a position where they have to ask questions about uh, certain links and tips that you receive, which is great. Brian, thank you for that. Good on you, Chris. Thanks, okay, mate. Yeah, so that's a very important step. Change.org, Marion Barter. If you want to go there to sign a petition to put some pressure on police to put her back on that missing persons register and then it's incumbent on whatever happens to the missing persons unit in New South Wales that they look at the case again, especially as they're bombarded by tips and leads coming from the podcast The Lady Vanishes. So it's a podcast by Seven News. The Lady Vanishes, already 2 million downloads so far. True crime across the world. People are fascinated. And I think that's uh, also went to air on 4BC in Brisbane. So thanks very much to 2GB. Of course, they um, they helped other podcasts, including The Teacher's Pet, uh, in, in terms of raising awareness about their investigation, which is a big part in, in helping to solve it. Oh, that's terrific. That's really good, Brian. And and well done on doing that. I mean, 2GB has a, it's a very wide audience in Sydney, so... Um and Brisbane, okay, yep. So that, well, yeah, we I think it was four BC in Brisbane, um, but yes, so that's terrific. And speaking of um, other media, next week we'll be joined by iconic Aussie podcaster and host of the popular Australian new. Sorry, Australian true crime. Sorry, Michelle. Michelle Laurie. And she is a big fan of the Lady Vanishes podcast um, and obviously does amazing work herself on Australian true crime um, and showcases so many uh, amazing, you know, stories, uh, true crime stories, um, including Snowtown recently, which is probably one of the most famous. Um, but anyway, we're, we're buoyed by um, the news that she will be coming on to join us and to discuss. Um, obviously her take on the podcast um, and the information that were presented in the podcast and the case uh, and the disappearance of Marion but also um, to join us as we go through all the uh, the new information that we'll have for you next week and uh, don't forget to keep the questions coming and keep the tips coming both on our Facebook site and also at our email uh, the lady vanishes at seven the word seven dot com dot au I mean one of the tips that we had the other day was someone who looked in to um, how you would go about obtaining Luxembourg citizenship and uh, the possibility that if that's a path Marion went down, she may have had two passports and that may explain why she was able to, or someone using that name was able to come to Australia. The passport expired in 2007 and never left the country, according to police. But if the person who, ha who came in on that passport had another passport issued in Luxembourg, they could have travelled out basically undetected on that second document. Um, this is the kind of uh, information that's very valuable in making sure that we look at all possibilities in terms of what may have happened to Marion. So keep the tips coming, keep your questions coming. 
Thank you so much. And thank you, Francois, for joining us. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to you um, getting back to us about the widow of the former owner and any information you can provide in relation to that ad. We are so grateful. And, um, you know, everyone uh, tune in for uh, coming weeks um, to get the answers to that. We will, um, once Francois has an answer, we'll get you on again. Yes, Merci and bon voyage. <laughs> thank you so much. Sir. Merci. All right. Well, thank you. We'll uh, we'll see you next week. Hopefully, with Sally back. Great. Thank you, Alison. Thanks, Francois.